When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. The sad fact of the matter is that, unfortunately, so many of the people that you hear on radio these days really aren't radio guys. What do I mean by that? Uh, maybe they're people, it doesn't mean they're not interesting to listen to on radio, but they're not a Rush Limbaugh or a Howard Stern, meaning they've spent their entire lives honing a craft and learning an art form of being on the radio. They're people that have done well as professional athletes, as actors, as comedians, in some cases maybe politicians, and then transitioned to a career in talk radio. I have to tell you, I think one of the biggest problems with radio these days is that there are so few real radio guys actually on the radio. That's why when I had the opportunity to uh, welcome our next guest in studio, I jumped at it because he is a radio guy's radio guy. Oh, God he, bless you. And I am very, very pleased. Been? I am very, very <laughs> pleased uh, to be joined by a Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio talk show host who has been on a lot of different stations around the country. He's been syndicated. Formerly, he was the overnight host at uh, WABC in New York. Freddie, it's great to see you again. It is great to see you. Thank you for that introduction. That's uh, you know, nice. Nice to be called a radio guy. In fact, I'll be like in a in a shop right somewhere in New Jersey, and somebody will hear me talking, and they'll say they'll give me that face, like not a very happy face. You look face, like you but... should be on the radio. <laughs> no, are, are you on the radio, or have you been on the radio? Or you should be there. And it's like even little kids can tell that. I'm thinking, when do they play the radio, <laughs> and what station would they listen to? You know, it's funny. Uh, b- both things you just said. Usually, people come up to me and say, "I can't believe you're on the radio." That's what they say to me. Then. Um, But as far as children's radio programming, I think it's a real bummer that there really is nothing for children to listen to on the radio. There used to be all sorts of great children's programming. And now, you know, my my son's a a little young for this, but there's all sorts of TV programming for children. Well, yeah. Computer programming for children. There's no great children's programming on the radio. But would you want to hear that kind of thing? At one time, this very radio station, the mothership of your network, uh, you know, 77 WABC, if you were an enlightened child and like rock and roll, this station. This station right. was a station that the kids in the car would say, Mom or Dad, put this on. With yeah, one no, of the buttons. I got, yeah. um, I, you know, I got my neighbor across the street. He's, um, I think he's six or seven years old. I got him a radio, you know, for his birthday. Maybe he's eight. I don't know. Around there. And I got, he basically, you know, he said, oh, this, this is great. He says, uh, does it have Bluetooth? And oh. I said, no, it doesn't have Bluetooth. <laughs> And uh, and I and he said I said you can listen to music on there 
And he said, oh, that's great. You mean I can listen to any song? I said, no, you have to listen to only the songs that they're well, shooting in face. In a, a way, sudden, you can select stations, maybe, but you can find sudden, any. He was much less impressed. Hey, yeah. uh, if folks are not familiar with your career and are hearing you for the first time, uh, give us the Reader's Digest version about your background. How'd you get into radio? What made you want to pursue this as oh, a career? Oh, man, let's talk about things besides me. Well, go I just, wanted to analyze you. Yeah, well, you're welcome to. But, but I like but, your theme, though, about the radio people not getting respect, going right. back to a Dangerfield thing, because you're right. It's almost like when they're casting for a talk radio lineup circa, and not just in 2024, if you can find a station doing anything live and local, God bless this one and the few in your network that are doing some, but but the truth is, uh, we've gone to a time when you're lucky to find maybe one, one live local show on a given station, maybe two, and after that, you're going to plug in the satellite, as they say. So how but when long... they do have, yeah, but they but they normally find people who are fresh out of jail, usually politicians, uh-huh. they've been in, I mean, anything but a radio background, somebody who's lived in their car for a right. while, <laughs> who actually has done this business. Yes. Yeah, those folks get the least amount of respect. Yes. So uh, when did you start on radio? How about that? Well, like most people, I was the kid who got into trouble in school. I was very dysfunctional. They didn't call it OCD back at the time, but but I test from, I'm at one percentile from the very most OCD that can be measured. Uh, but they did not test that when I was a kid. Probably have some other things on some various other spectrums. You know, but they didn't actually do the testing when I was a kid. You were just called into the office. Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, so uh, when did you start on radio? Uh, well, uh, when did I start? I mean, in high school, really the end of high school, drove out to New Jersey. Back at the time, you could find a station that would hire anybody. And uh, believe me, they would <laughs> because they had a staff, a station with live people. And it was great. So, so what actually- was the first station you ever worked at? Uh, well, I worked at one that went bankrupt that weekend. Really? <laughs> yes. But you weren't, they, uh, they, I was it was not the, attributable I, to you. I, no. Okay. Uh, so I got to do one show and they padlocked the door. <laughs> uh, but the first one that lasted longer than that was in Blairstown, New Jersey, in a train station. That's right on the edge of New Jersey, right before you get to the Poconos. You could throw a rock there. And uh, it actually was used, I didn't realize this, but in Friday the 13th, at least the first one was filmed right by that radio station. Wow. Uh, What radio station was it? Uh, Back at the time, it was called Golden FMV. WFMV, the tri-state gold mine, because it covered about five blocks in three states. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But mostly the Poconos. And uh, what was the last station that you worked at regularly? Well, I've been basically a freelance fill-in person the last few years. So I've been on a number of stations. One of them is carrying us right now in St. Louis, KMOX. Great station. Worked for them and also for CBS was doing a show there at the time. and It was called Overnight America. So I was a regular fill-in host there. When you would uh, go on all these various stations, would you move every time? I know, obviously, when you were on WABC, you were in New York. But before that, I know you did stuff in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You would move to each city. Uh, Yes, yes. I mean, that's... Tough on a personal yeah. level. <laughs> it's not good for relationships. That's I wouldn't true. think yeah. so. It's like uh, the, the opening theme to WKRP in Cincinnati, right? Um, Part of it, yes. Hey, you know, I got an interesting email from you the other day um, following up on a, a discussion that we had about uh, someone who claimed that his uh, child was the victim of a- anti Semitism at their school. And I asked the fella, why is it always the Jews that get blamed? They're the central tenet of every conspiracy theory. They're the, they're the ones that so many different folks seem to dislike. I had a fellow on last week who was actually blaming the Jews. I'm not joking here. Blaming the Jews for 
uh, killing John Lennon and oh, covering please. it up uh, to um, not make sure Stephen King wasn't brought to justice as the true killer of John Lennon. Stephen King? Yes, exactly. It was really, if you didn't catch that, go back I and listen to that. I missed that particular yeah, interview. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Right. But, but, but why the Jews? Guy, yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> now, are you Jewish? I am a Jewish. You, yes. So oh, yes. why do you think the Jews have repeatedly throughout the last few millennia been on the receiving end of being scapegoated, being uh, harassed, being blamed, being Don't put it on exterminated. Me. Right. Well, great term there. Yeah, the extermination. I, it goes back a lot of millennia. I mean, going back even before the last few. Mm-hmm. People have to hate somebody. I mean, they don't have to, but it's part of human nature. You drive in the car, somebody cuts you off, that blank, and you add something to it, and it's very sad. I can't tell you, as you asked the person very well, it should be a Broadway show. If Mel Brooks was younger, why the Jews? Why the Jews? How do you inflect the question? But I haven't got a good answer, except that human nature is such that we can love and we can hate. We can be smart and we can be stupid. And people seem to have the capacity. We saw, for example, when the coronavirus uh, came out and and there was this anti-Asian hatred, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The China virus. Right, well, Everybody's favorite presidential candidate, I it's the least, China virus. I at least understood the genesis of that, right? The virus came from China. The Chinese government wasn't honest with the public and no, the world. No, it was a Jewish conspiracy. Come on now. <laughs> you check the science, you'll no, see but, where it was. No, but honestly, so it, it's not a mystery why after 9-11 there's an uptick in anti-Muslim violence. It's not a mystery why during COVID there's an uptick in anti-Asian violence. There's, you know, I mean, I get it. I just have never understood why the Jews play such a starring role in so many different negative conspiracies. You and me both. And the stereotypes that every group has, uh, Jews seem to get more than their fair share of bad ones. You know, it's about the control Mm -hmm. and it's about the money. Well, I have to tell you, I have never gotten my entree to the, the first national bank of Jewishness. I don't think they would take me. I don't think I'm Jewish enough for the Jews. I'm not Italian enough for the Italians. I'm not white enough. I I don't fit any. I'm not black enough for the blacks. I'm trying to find a group that will take me. Uh, I I just don't. I I have trouble fitting with any group. And it's interesting because you can grow up in the New York, New Jersey area. And I've had a weird upbringing or a background because uh, my life began on an army base in Arizona. But yes, I did grow up in the New New Jersey, New York metro, the city, et cetera, and the redneck suburbs. I've lived away from New York and primarily in the South and somewhat out West during my adult life. But I've been in places where I was like the only Jew. <laughs> you know, when I was going to college in Mississippi, I was usually the only Jew in the class. I had this professor who hated Israel. This guy disdained Israel. We got along pretty well, but he did not like Israel. But he's, he's about to grade his papers and it's Friday afternoon. And he says to me, he looks at me and says, oh, Freddie, I hate all this dreck. I have to bring home. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wait a second. You're a guy who believes Israel should not exist. And you're talking about all the dreck, meaning all the papers you have to grade. Now, you know what the word dreck means, right? right. Okay. And uh, that's one of those onomatopoeia words. (laughs) If you did not know what dreck was. You could figure it out. It's a piece of dreck. You can probably get the meaning. Right. It's a nice way of saying it, actually. Um, Well, it is interesting. If people have theories as to why Jews always seem to be on the receiving end of um, 
everything and being a central figure in many different conspiracy theories. I'd love to hear what people think about it. 800-848-9222. My guest in studio is uh, Freddie Mertz. Today is obviously Martin Luther King Jr. Day, observed, and a lot of people are off today. Obviously not us because we're radio guys. But, not as uh, many as we think, though. Really? Yeah. Well, I know, you know, I know our garbage and picked well. up today. Schools are closed. <laughs> right. A lot well, of some, some schools are closed. Not every okay. school. Well, uh, in, yeah. in, you know, the schools that I'm familiar with. Are, right, right. Are closed. Um, what are you going to be do- doing today to observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day observed? Well, I don't sleep very well, but after I leave here, while driving, I'll probably get some sleep, <laughs> uh, but I'll try to catch up on that. But it's just one of those things where it's a reflection. And I have never heard a Martin Luther King Jr. speech where I didn't just say, yeah, yeah, I agree with the man. And he had the ability to be very inclusive. And I don't really think his message is understood by today's generation. I'm not sure he's taught in schools well, I think and he, revered to the extent that he should be. I think he's definitely taught in, in schools. I mean, uh, personally, but um, well, maybe I guess it depends on the school district and things like that nature. What about Martin Luther King do you feel like is not being passed on to young people? Well, the message of getting along, the message of tolerance, the message of inclusion. There are some people who will look at somebody speaking, and I have to say, Sharpton marched with King. Mm-hmm. But Sharpton does not always emulate King. Well, well, and Jesse Jackson, who <laughs> was mean, with Martin Luther King when he died, I think you could, you could just, say the same thing. Just when I began to like Sharpton, I've met him in person. I actually worked at a station in town here where he worked. And mm-hmm. I recall passing Al Sharpton in the kitchen there, and he was eating a salad and this nice... Uh, yeah, friendly character. And, but when I heard that Sharpton was now feeling sorry for Dr. Claudine Gay from Harvard and feeling she was a scapegoat, I'm thinking, Al, Al, just when I'm starting to like you again. Come on, Al. Um, so Jumping I, around. I'm sorry no, about that's that. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I, I guess I'm not clear on why you think King's message isn't being taught today or passed on to young people today. I, I think well, the there's actually, yeah. well, 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 what's being lost? Well, for example, there are many sayings in life that we hear, The, uh, for example, in New York City, the police, if you see something, say something, because nobody wants to hear it. I'm mm-hmm. saying something. Listen to me, right? The talk radio mantra. But King was saying that. And the essence of that, if there's an injustice that is going to harm one group, it's going to harm other groups. So be aware of that. Don't, don't turn a blind eye on that. And I always like you judge people by the content of their character. But when he would talk, he would often bring up, for example, he'd bring up Jewish issues, he'd bring up Gentiles and Jews, and he'd bring up, he he would try to make it seem as though I'm not just here to be the supporter of black freedom and black issues. I want everyone to be at this table. Right. And I I never heard, I mean, most leaders you'll hear talk and you'll say, yeah, I like that, I like that, I don't like this. And I have to say, when he would talk, I would be moved. Well, look, I think he's uh, definitely the only private citizen that has a national holiday in his honor. And, you know, my brother, um, you know, when he was six or seven years old in school, barely knew the alphabet. He was well-schooled in Martin Luther King uh, Jr. and his history. I, at least in New York City, I don't see that being... Uh, being having changed over time, I feel like kids do get quite an education about Martin Martin Luther King Jr. But you know, um, obviously, I'm not familiar with every school there is. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. I pose the question of why do the Jews always seem to get the short end of the stick? Simon in Brooklyn, you have a thought. 
Now, Frankie, how are you? One, one of the reasons is with the cho- Jewish people, the chosen people, God, God picked them as the, they gave them 10 commandments and, uh, and uh, he went to all the other um, nations and they did a want and they went to the Jews. They said, we'll take it. And also throughout history, um, the whole Bible is based on the, the Jews going through the, all the exiles and they're, 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 it's a jealousy, that's what I believe. So because they're chosen, all of us that were not chosen, there's some elements of jealousy there. It's all about jealousy. You know, there's also a thing that the Jews run the weather. They run the they run the the wealth in the world. Right, right. So where did wait, where did weather? that come from? Wait, where did, yeah. wait, the weather or the wealth? No, well, yeah, we're going to get into the, the weather a little bit later. I'm hearing. I'm even hearing weather. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I see uh, Nikki Haley is pulling out all the stops in terms of the weather for Iowa today. We'll get into that oh, a little right. bit later. The, the minus five degrees yeah. in Iowa, yeah. Jewish conspiracy, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hey. but they run Hollywood and they run all the they run oh. the economy and all that stuff. So it is a, it's a certain kind of element of jealousy, I believe. And and I so and jealousy, I think, simple as that. But I think America, listen, it's built on Judaic Judaic and Christian values, which is an amazing thing. I think things are getting a lot better than it was. But you know what? That phrase, though, that Simon brought up, Judaic or Judeo-Christian values, that's said at times, but at times it's not as inclusive as one might think. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds nice to say that. We're Judeo-Christian, but sometimes the Judeo part is just kind of thrown in there. It's not really said with the fondness. Judeo-Christian. Simon, thank (laughs) you. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. George, why is everybody always picking on the Jews? Hi there. Uh, well, there are a multitude of reasons. I would say more than a dozen, but I'm going to mm. go through wow. a few. All right. Uh, because L- limited have, to a dozen. If you where, okay. Wherever they've traveled, wherever they've been, uh, almost excluding uh, Israel, because in Israel there isn't competition vis-a-vis others, non-Jews, Gentiles. But wherever the Jews have been, they have tried harder. They have always been more studious more successful than the inhabitants of any nation, you know? So therefore, uh, it's jealousy is one, right? Two, uh, if Jews were impoverished people, right, who had no land and were very poor and unsuccessful, there would never be anti-Semitism. There would never be hated. And one thing regarding chosen people, I think that's uh, not the right a message they give uh, to the rest of the world because we're all chosen people. The good ones for heaven, bad, evil ones for hell for a million years. <laughs> Thank you, George. <laughs> Freddie, anything well, to what George is saying there? Hey, well, I was waiting for the baker's dozen, 12 <laughs> things, 13 <laughs> no, things. But, exactly. but the issue that the Jews, I, I would buy the Jews often have to try harder. But they aren't the only group like that. Right. There are many groups of people who come here, immigrants, uh, you could say Indian-Americans, uh, who certainly, certainly Haitian-Americans, Italian-Americans. I mean, what group comes here and does not try? Greek-Americans? Mm-hmm. Right, but there's you no, have to try harder. That's what I'm saying. Even though, for instance, there's a lot of uh, Indian doctors and there's a lot of people of Indian descent in pharmaceuticals, I never hear whispers about how, you know, Big Pharma, that's run by the Indians. Like, I never oh, hear that. It, that gets thrown back at the Jews, yeah, exactly. No, but everything, yeah. that, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is, good I, question. you know, I, I, and yeah. that's what I, I don't feel like I have gotten an adequate answer to. Hey, um, did you take the SAT? I did. What'd you I get? did. 
Listen to this. Well, I have, uh, speaking of the SAT again, as the aforementioned OCD, so I was always a slow test taker and really didn't know why. And I do something that's called, for lack of a better phrase, savor reading. Now, I can speed read Mm -hmm. in the context of going on the air, doing a talk show. I can do that. But as far as the reading you have to do when you have to answer their stupid questions, and, and I can get the correct answer, but I need more time. Uh, I also have ADHD, and so I'm you know, looking out the window. My head's dropping around. So, so it's like I, you know, you can get more time. I didn't have it back at the time, so I traditionally could not finish the test. I so, based on what I did, but there was no sliding scale for that. So, what I'm trying to tell you is my SAT grade was pretty crappy. Is at least triple digits. Despite being, when I was a student in the New York City public schools, I was in something, don't laugh, called the IGC class. Right. Uh, intellectually gifted uh, children. You know what that means. Yeah, of course, right. <laughs> I was that, not in it, but... No, that I, got I, me I, nowhere. <laughs> you know, it's like that great line that Chris Rock had, where they have the years with no host on the Oscars, right. and Mahershala Ali was in the audience, and he had gotten two Oscars. And so uh, Chris Rock stops with Steve Martin right in front of him and says, this man is a black man. He got two Oscars. You know what that means if he stopped by a cop? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so my IGC designation really did not get me much. Oh, I get that. Well, anyway, um, a big article in the New York Times a couple of days ago, uh, actually last week, the misguided war on the SAT, and colleges have apparently fled standardized tests on the theory that they hurt diversity, and yet the New York Times, which is not known exactly as the anti-diversity Bible, they say that's not what the research shows. They don't show that uh, the SAT or even the ACT, which dozens of colleges have now dropped as a requirement, they don't show that it has an effect um, similar to what its naysayers believe when it comes to diversity. What is that question again? What do you? Well, the question is, what do you think of these colleges moving away from standardized tests for the reason of diversity when the research cited in this Times article, which I'm going to link to on my Facebook page if oh, people boy, want to read it. I can't it, wait to read that but one. But the research in this Times article shows that that's not the case. What do you make of this war on the SAT? Well, the diversity is a whole different issue, and, and I'm all about diversity, and that's the beauty of this city, along with the why the Jews question. Diversity is wonderful. It's part of the vibrancy or the vibrantness of, uh, of really any metro, and certainly this one that we're in right now. But as far as uh, tying it to diversity, that if you have have a certain culture, you may not know what this meaning of this word, I, I just, I have trouble buying it. If you're not able to get, for example, your homework done because you have, uh, let's say, a single parent and the, and, and the other parent is working and you're living in a house with seven kids and there's mm. one, I mean, there's a reason why it's, it's more difficult. But I don't really buy that with, with the fact that we get our uh, education now from so many rather homogenized sources, I don't think that if you're intelligent that the diversity issue is going to make you have a lesser score. But as far as a standardized test, though, issues like, for example, uh, can you finish the test in time? Mm -hmm. You're not stupid if you can't. It could be a bladder control problem. It could be ADHD, OCD. So I think it's more that than the diversity issue as far as the ethnicity, in my opinion. So do you think that these colleges are doing the right thing by relying less on standardized tests? Well, I want to know what they are relying on. I mean, you can look at the averages they have. Uh, you'd hope. I mean, there should be some gauging. Uh, if the teacher is, is you know, 
and that's a whole separate topic, what teachers do, um, and the principals are the worst. My God, they're in their offices they're watching porn or something. But, I mean, if the teachers are doing their job, they're, they're grading the, the, the children or the kids. In, well, not, not everyone, not everyone. But usually the principal is somebody you couldn't be the teacher. But that's not always the case. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. All right, so SAT, SAT. It sounds like you're... Pleading the fifth on this I, one. Right? I, would, I would say that you have to have something else. You have to have something else to look at besides that. And how about the law school admission test? Mm-hmm. Okay, you, I mean, I know lawyers who can't conjugate a sentence. And that's before <laughs> we even get, get into the lack of honesty. That's okay, for sure. Okay, so the LSAT test, that's a crazy one. That's for sure. All right, uh, Freddie Mertz is my guest. Uh, we'll take your calls in a moment, 800-848-9222. And in a, an era where we seem so polarized, there's one thing that at least just about every American can agree upon. I'm going to tell you what it is in a moment. We'll get Freddie's take as well. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It's worked so far, but we're not out yet. I want to know what you're thinking. There are some things you can't hide. I want to know. What you're feeling Tell me what's on your mind minutes after the hour well uh in it's in an era at a time and in a place where it seems like americans can't agree on what day it is there is one thing americans can agree upon a huge margin say their political leaders don't care about them this is according to findings from the axios vibes survey by the harris poll so um justin green who writes for axios writes this Angry, irritated feeling cuts across all groups without much hope for improvement with a potential Biden-Trump rematch looming in November. 74% of Americans said they don't think their leaders care about them. No single group reached 40%, whether broken down by race, gender, age, political party, income, or geographic region, on saying yes When asked whether they think leaders care about them, 43% said their lives are worse under the Biden administration versus 29% who said they're better and 28% who said unchanged. Even Democrats are split on how they feel with just 53% saying they're better off with Biden. My guest in studio is a veteran radio talk show host, Freddie Mertz. Freddie, what do you make of this poll showing that um, people don't think their leaders care about them? 
I want to know who the idiots are who said their leaders <laughs> did care about them. And did they ever call for what they call, there's a term called casework. I never liked that term, but casework, you know what that means. You call up uh, whoever your senator might be, right. and Kirsten Gillibrand is going to help you. Well, good luck. Take a number. Uh, Chucky e. Schumer is going to help you. Take a number. Uh, in New Jersey, Cory Booker, who, by the way, slammed a door in my face, okay, is going to help you. Did he know it was you? He knew I was somebody asking him for help. I see. I you know. see. Oh, he didn't literally <laughs> he slam didn't the door know exactly okay. who Figured. I was. Exactly. Gotcha. So the point I'm trying to make is, and you take that from the U.S. Senator uh, post going on down. If you call for help, you look that like you're an idiot. Interesting. So I want to know who are the people. Now, if you want to give some money and attend their fundraiser, I'm sure you can get all the help that's fit to be given, or that shouldn't be given, but that is. So... Who likes these politicians? And, and the sad thing is, how do we make this greatest system in the world, right, this democracy with elected officials, how do we make it so that it's honest, so that you can legitimately like your politician without paying them off? Yeah, how do you I, do that? I, it's a great question. Um, 800-848-9222. We're having a little bit of a phone problem, but we will uh, res- resolve it in due time. You had another interesting a story that I got quite a kick out of when you emailed Uh-oh. me after we had Governor Jesse Ventura on the show. You were actually Jesse Ventura's predecessor on a radio station out there. That is a crazy story, and I hated to leave that place. Uh, you know, the Twin Cities. You know, you think of Mary Tyler Moore. What are the Twin Cities? So I got this call, and actually when I did the show here some years back at WABC and the ABC Network, I was on in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So this station actually carried the show. So a lot of the calls came from there because it's a flamethrower signal like we have here. Right, sure. So like, you know, KMOX in St. Louis, and so it was KSTP, which I believe was 15 and still is, but now it's a sports station. So it was 1,500. So it was carrying, it was heard like in 35, 40 states and a good chunk of Canada, and those were the legal listeners. (laughs) Before the internet, you know, really played a role in any of this. So anyway, I was on that station, and um, they had a morning host who... I, I can actually, I can, I can recall his name. Apparently he was hated and I don't know what the deal was. They, they wanted to fire him and they did fire him. And then they hired Jesse Ventura, who had not become the governor yet. Right. And they wanted to have, and I'd never heard this before, an interim host. I mean, apparently everybody hated this morning show, <laughs> but they wanted somebody to be a buffer between this guy being fired and, and Jesse Ventura being hired. Sure, I get that. So I get the call. I'm living in Dallas at the time. And I get the call, hey, we'll fly you up here. We'll give you a you know free place to live and a rental car and all this stuff. And, and uh, hey, it's pretty good. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm a radio guy, like you said. Lived out of my car. Right. And I'll tell you, I hated to leave. So I worked there about three, three-plus months. And now it's coming up to Labor Day. And Jesse Ventura is going to start. And, um... I didn't want to leave. I did not want to leave that place, but I had to. So I was Jesse Ventura. So I continued to do some fill-in work there, but I the morning show, I, I loved that morning show, and Jesse Ventura was hired to do it and did a very good job, so good a job, that it helped propel him to become the governor. Didn't they have some unusual description for you, though, at the time? The um, what, How did they refer to you? Uh, you? You used the term interim just yeah, now. Yeah, the, the, the sales manager of the station you know, said to me the last day, and I'm not very happy about leaving. And it was kind of sad, and people like the show. I like to think. I enjoy doing it. I said, Freddie, Freddie, you could have a whole career doing this. You are the best 
interim host to uh, whatever she called it to like roll out a brand new show. You are the best, the, the, the best guy to have for that. And I'm thinking, thanks a lot. You know, <laughs> and bring in some sucker to host this show, fall in love with the market, like the place. But that really is a very cool place to live. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Hey, um, you know, you spend some time in supermarkets uh, from time to time, right? And- time to time. I live there. <laughs> well, why are you in the supermarkets so often? Because I have to shop. I'm a single guy and I have to go out and, and eat. And I'm very, I, you know, it's always something you have to buy. When I Don't was a single guy, I, I went shopping yesterday because my wife has a, uh, has a bad cold. So, but when That's I a was good reason. no no I know usually she would go you're okay um, but when I was a single guy I went shopping very infrequently I I would deal with a lot of leftovers oh. I would have I would go out well a lot I do that too yeah stuff but I um I, I okay so what tell me your observations in terms of pricing in supermarkets these days. Well, oh my God, do you have time for this? That's what's one of my many passions. Uh, I should get a life, but consumerism. And I don't buy this whole supply chain. I mean, yeah, you can blame COVID and blame this. The real problem, and I'll tell you what, John Katsimatidis, who's the owner of WABC, the flagship station, I I would love to talk with him and do a show about consumerism and in supermarket products. The problem is that, just like in radio, so few companies own the brands we buy. Mm-hmm. You go into the bread aisle, there's a company called Bimbo. I can, <laughs> I'm not making this up. And Bimbo is now Thomas's English Muffins, it's Arnold's Bread, it's Baboli, it's, it's so many things you buy. More than half of what you see in the bread aisle is one company. Go into the cereal aisle, the frozen aisle. And I, as part of my OCD, I read every label there is. And I do check the dates. I've heard you on the air say that food can last longer than they say. That's right. I disagree. Expiration dates do I, not matter. I'm sorry. I'm getting mold before the date comes. So I don't know where you're shopping or what you're buying, okay? You better re-smell your milk. But I check everything. <laughs> and one of the things that's going on now, and there are different players all over the country, um, but like Acme Supermarkets in New Jersey, that's 15 different brands. You'll find that right. same chain uh, out in Idaho. They're called something else. My point is... Point there, there are less and less players now. And so with that, one of the things that I'm noticing is that when they, there's a sale going on, you have to buy three or four of the items to get the sale. Like, I am a Cheetos fan. So this particular week, <laughs> I know I should get a life. But at ShopRite, they have a three for $10 sale. I don't want to buy three. I love Cheetos. I don't want to buy three bags of it right now to get the sale because the date's going to go bad. I know your Cheetos can last for six months. That's right. But mine go bad in 30 days. But now, how much are Cheetos supposed to cost? Well, since the, the BS of the supply chain, the price has morphed to about $5.49. Five sixty nine at Acme, or whatever it might be, or Stop and Shop. So you're paying over five dollars a bag now for the party size. And just think about: I open my bag of Cheetos. It's time for a party, right? <laughs> when you open Cheetos, aren't you thinking party? I have no idea how much anything is supposed to cost. So I, I'll give you an example. The other day, I think it was Thursday or Friday. Friday it was. Uh, we I saw that we, I had run out of toothpaste, you know. So my wife sent me to the drugstore to get up get some cold medicine for her. So I said, oh. I'll pick up some toothpaste, and I pick up the same type of tooth polish that we that we use, right? Polish too, my right, God! Exactly, right? So I bring home this uh, this two pack of tooth polish, twelve dollars. Oh, toothpaste through the roof! She, she yeah. said, "My wife <laughs> says to me, why did we have all sorts of toothpaste here? Why did you go out and get toothpaste?'" I said, "I don't, I didn't know we had all sorts of toothpaste. I saw we were out, and 
I figured I would be well, where proactive. where did she keep it? Yeah. I, well, apparently I was supposed to know where she keeps <laughs> oh. it. It's in a drawer that's fairly obvious. So that's on me. But uh, she said, look, um, you paid $12 for this two-pack. I said, what is it supposed to cost? And she said, and she come, brings us out, and she shows that she usually pays $12 for three Ooh. tubes of toothpaste. So... I wasn't really going to go to the effort of returning this toothpaste and getting the refund. Well, the but- gas will cost more. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not really a trick, but nowadays, with the exception of Aldi, God bless you. Your, your mic was off, but mine was on, so I caught it. God bless you. But except for Aldi, to my knowledge, every chain that I go to, I know I should get a life, but you can go online and check the price of everything. And believe it or not, Target will usually match the price of what other stores are charging, mm-hmm. depending upon the cashier, the mood they're in, whatever it might be. Uh, but but usually you can check the price if you want to. For some reason, Aldi is not doing that. So if it's something you buy all the time, your wife's toothpaste, my Cheetos, milk, I like a certain kind of cereal that during COVID they didn't make for six months. I'm a Grape Nuts Flakes person. Those yep. boxes right now, they're $5 to $6 a box. But you I'm addicted. Kidding? Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Not grape nuts. They'll, they'll break your teeth. But the grape nuts <laughs> flakes, which are really good. Um, you know, it's funny. My Speaking of principles, my neighbor is a principal. And I'm on this group text with he and a uh, judge friend of mine. And he wanted the judge to come speak at career day at his school. Here come the judge. Exactly, right? So a good idea. And he's a good speaker and everything. And, and he was kind of busting my chops a little bit and saying, oh, well, you know, um, we, we we can invite you too, Frank, if you want. I said no, it's okay. You know, I uh, I really can't. I'm trying to do fewer unpaid speaking gigs because <laughs> everything I do is unpaid, and my dance card is full all day long. All of my free time is is filled with stuff that I've agreed to that I've said makes yes you a to. richer person. It, you know, it, to it, give your time that way, it, it does. It certainly makes me a a busier and more exhausted person. Anyway, so he says to me. We'll give you a dollar fifty. Now I know he was joking, but it got me thinking. What is the best thing that you can buy for a dollar fifty? And I started actually doing some research on this, and I'll tell you what I came up with—the best answer that I came up with. But I'm curious if you were asked that question as a conscientious shopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the best thing that you can buy for a dollar fifty is? I have to tell you the value menu. And I will admit this, as a value menu customer at places like Wendy's, and I used to go to the Burger King, I used to live on the Mississippi coast right before Hurricane Katrina, and there was a McDonald's that had a value menu for like, I don't know, a buck plus tax for the hamburger. I mean, the value menus used to have something for around that amount, but but since COVID and the supposed supply chain shortage, how it affected cows and eggs, I'm not really sure. The farmer's getting any more money? I don't think so. But the value menu hamburger, which would be like the two smaller patties, the poor, the, the single guy's way to live, the radio person's way to live, they're around three-something now. Uh, uh, so, well, <laughs> to answer your question, it's not going to buy much. The best answer that I came up with was go to the bank and get 150 pennies and see if there are any wheat pennies uh, in them, which are worth more than oh. a cent or two. <laughs> right. And, oh, and the, you know, some of them could be quite value, valuable. If you have wheat pennies, they say, trade those for more money. Ah. And if you don't have wheat pennies, then trade these pennies at another bank in the hopes of getting more wheat pennies. I, I mean, that struck me as a pretty good strategy. 
Well, you know, when I was a kid, I probably would do that, but I'm not really sure. I mean, they used to have the gumball machines, and they used to have little penny things and stuff you could do like that. But you're right. You really can't get much with that. 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. What's on your mind, Larry? Yeah, you know, I'm surprised, Frank, that you uh, were asking uh, your your guests so many times, what were we missing from Dr. King's era? Because it really, it jumped out at me today when I'm hearing all these ads for Dr. King, his speeches, and I picked up on one, one phrase that he said. He said, don't say burn, baby, burn. He said, build, baby, build. And, you know, that's completely lost because all we're doing today is burning down. If you, if you think about the, the slogan, no justice, no peace, which they, which they, um, which they had in, in a small little rally for, uh, for, uh, for that Harvard president, no, no peace because of a Harvard president, right. that's burning down. Okay, everything with Sharpton is burning down the phrase, no justice, no peace. This is not civil disobedience. Dr. King practiced civil disobedience, and it was completely bypassed over. They never even tried it. Well, the word is okay, not, so the, the phrase is nonviolence, I think, is what you're right, trying to say. Right. King was a proponent and a very emphatic proponent. You don't practice violence. That's not the way you get your message across. Exactly. So what are we, why are we celebrating him if we're not trying to imitate him at all? I don't understand. Well, I guess maybe that's what Freddie's saying, is that uh, we've uh, really fallen short. Um, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Freddie Mertz, veteran radio talk show host, taking your calls as well, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Freddie, obviously uh, the big issue in the country these days is uh, the migrant issue, and uh, p- cities are being overwhelmed by this. We're seeing it have a del- deleterious effect on uh, President Biden's poll numbers. What a nice word, deleterious. They're saying that uh, there were, um, last year alone, um, a record number of people that were stopped, and a lot of folks are asking the question, and this doesn't include the asylum seekers. This is just people that were stopped. These are Americans being stopped. No, no, these are people that were stopped as illegal aliens, and if you wonder if they stopped... Two million people. How many got through? Right. What do you see as the solution to the migrant crisis we're facing? Well, I have have to go one step back. Um, I do not buy this reverence that too many people are giving to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And this guy is a self-professed folklore hero, egomaniac. I want to know. And people love in this format and talk radio. Everybody loves a conspiracy. Who is Governor Greg Abbott working with? Because this man, as far as I'm concerned, is the biggest proponent for a spigot, a nonstop faucet of migrants. And where is he sending them? Well, New York City, one of the main destinations. And he is benefiting from New York City's really peril. And the migrants are being used as pawns. But New York City... And the entire metro, and not just New York, I know, because obviously we're being played throughout right, your network, so Chicago, DC. Denver, Colorado. And, and so it's like, how are all of these busloads of migrants in secret being put together, set up? I mean, I am convinced, and don't call me a conspiracy theorist, I'm a talk show host, but 
I'm convinced that he is in league with some other people and encouraging the migration, the illegal migration. How are all of these busloads of migrants getting through when, as you said, so many migrants are stopped and some are dying as they try to cross? How do all these busloads of migrants get such quick processing just to make New York look bad? And we have to stop looking at the politics and say, well, you know, it's Mayor so-and-so and Mayor Adams. And yeah, in many ways, he comes across as a buffoon. But you know what? It's New York that's getting screwed. It's Chicago. It's Colorado. So to answer your question, we have to find out who is encouraging all these migrants to come. Is our border policy screwed up? You better believe it. Well, so Chris Tomlinson wrote an interesting article about this. And basically, he says that those that are looking for asylum, they go towards ports of entry and they essentially have memorized the script that you need to ask for for asylum, knowing that these asylum hearings are in some cases years away. These are asylum hearings that are never going to happen. And where where do you stay during that seven-year waiting period? Well, that's, I think, exactly the problem. Problem that How the whole about country Queens? is dealing with, right? Yeah. But, but uh, the first of all, I do think a lot of these migrants, when they're given the opportunity to come to New York, they do want to come to New York. I think a lot of them do want to come here. But what the folks in Texas might say is, why should three states, the three border states or four border states, have to deal with the totality of the illegal immigration problem? So, shouldn't some places like New York that have, in their view, voted? For weaker border policies, see, I, I don't buy that. You don't, buy S- that. you know, sanctuary city actually, and that's something to really to look up and understand. That was really more for somebody, for example, who was already here, and perhaps they had a parking infraction, and they were called in into court, and then and they they didn't uh, uh, sign up, or they didn't have the right uh, uh, visa. It was never sanctuary city. Was never intended for somebody is going to be in whatever country it might be, and now they end up in New York miraculously going over 10 other states, that was not the intention of Sanctuary City. It was supposed to protect somebody already here, and perhaps they didn't get here or through the most... I mean, first of all, how many people... This is a good question to ask. How many people come to the United States initially, going back to our forebears, wanted, invited? Normally, you're pretty downtrodden when you come here. There's not normally an invitation, unless you're a scientist and Big Pharma Mm -hmm. is coming to get you or something. Normally, most of our our ancestors, they came here through some downtrodden way, through Ellis Island. You know, there was nobody begging them to come. So uh, I see you uh, holding up your cup to get Elias to fill it for you, even though we're short-staffed today. Uh, So (laughs) let me break so that he doesn't have to get, um, you know, he doesn't have to get your coffee and we'll give you an opportunity to grab it and refill. But we'll continue with Freddie Mertz in just a moment. We'll get Freddie recaffeinated to make sure he's all situated here. And we'll uh, allow Elias to continue to focus on his duties. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Freddie Mertz is my guest. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. So I'm back. 
This is Fleetwood Mac Gypsy. This is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from Rachel Booth, a uh, friend of my sister Claudia, who is a resident of San Francisco. I've never been to San Francisco, but I've heard great things about it. The Bay Area. Except for all the homelessness and everything. Uh, And uh, I am rooting for the 49ers, at least in the NFC playoffs. I definitely would love to check it out. And uh, very happy to always celebrate the birthday of a San Franciscan. Freddie Mertz is my guest. And um, did you ever work in San Francisco? I actually started doing talk radio four hours away from there. So I got to monitor them, and I began in Reno. So Reno Tahoe is four hours uh, straight down I eighty, gotcha. and a very pretty ride. You pass the Donner Pass, famous for its cannibalism. That wasn't that long <laughs> ago, and may come again. So you do a lot of driving. I, I have to admit, I am a driver. Have you noticed an uptick? And this is documented, right? Uh, in <laughs> Road rage incidents. Oh, we need to have three hours for this at least. I mean, come on. You don't have to drive to San Francisco or down I-80, but it's the caliber of the road rage. And if you ask this audience, they're going to have stories no matter where they are in the country. But you take, for example, New Jersey, New York, where we're sitting right now, and, I mean, people think the redneck uh, element is going to be down in Mississippi or, you know, Arkansas. Yeah, it's right in New Jersey. It's right in Queens. No matter where you are. But... Road rage, it starts with texting, okay? Yeah. Most drivers are texting. Right. So the light turns green. You're behind the driver who's supposed to go. Now, before texting, in any big city, the driver would be going before it was green, okay? <laughs> be revving it up to go. Now, the driver, even in a hurry, they are texting. So you are the poor sucker behind them, and you're watching the road, and you have to honk. Well, that's going to immediately, can I say the word? I'm not sure. Well, well, piss them off. Not very happy about that. That's that's okay. Most of your affiliates. So you honk that you honk the horn. Now, you know, they should really say, hey, thanks a lot. That's really great. You told me it's green. That's not the normal reaction. Well, though, though, there is obnoxious honking and then there's informative honking. Friendly honking. Right. Sweet honking. Yeah. That's what I'll do. I'll do. I'll do just a light tap. Oh, um, but then there, you got guys that go, bah, <laughs> bah. I'll have to work on my more polite, friendly, right. sweet See, honking. That's the and, and, right. And then you have, well, thank you. But then you have, we have to drive together sometime and I'll see the way you handle it. But it's such a common thing. I see bus drivers routinely texting. You shouldn't be texting and driving. Now, I believe you should be able, because I don't have a Bluetooth, my God, but I believe holding the phone with one ear and talking, I think that's fine. I've gotten, I got a $493 ticket oh, that's for allegedly texting. I was just playing back voicemail, okay? It was ridiculous. You couldn't uh, wait until you were done driving to play I back was, I voicemail. was stuck in gridlock traffic. It I wasn't see. moving okay. at all. All right, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Well, but you, so you think this is all, the uptick in road rage, is all being tied to texting? A lot of it. A lot of it. A lot of it also is just hate. I yeah. like to think, I mean, you know, you and I like to love our fellow man, but we're in a minority. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, lot that's of people, true. a lot of people hate their fellow motorists and their fellow man. All right. Uh, Freddie, on that note, we're going to have to end it there. I appreciate you making the trip in. It is great to hear you on the radio again. I hope we can do this again soon. I'll vote for that. You're sounding great, Frank. Thank you, Freddie. Good Freddy. to see you. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Uh, Freddie, if people want to get in touch with you, is there any way that you'd recommend that they do that? Uh, hail me down in the street, or <laughs> okay. else they can do Freddie <laughs> Freddy Mertz at AOL.com, or Talk Radio Man 1, the number one, 
at Gmail. There you go. Talk about Radio Man one at gmail.com. Freddie with a Y or an E-I-E? Oh, Y, of course. Freddie Mertz oh, yes. uh, at uh, AOL.com, you said. Right? Or, or the Talk Radio Man one, one. the number Beautiful. one. Great. All right. You can get in touch with Freddie Mertz that way. Coming up, we're going to do commendations. Uh, some more thoughts on Martin Luther King Jr. and his assassination. And uh, some interesting things that I did this weekend. And who is controlling the weather? Your influence counts. Use it.